Hey guys, this is the Vin Queen. I am back at you with another great podcast. And I'm doing a continuum of Real Life Monsters Tales of the Unseen by Latricia Ford, which is available on Kindle. I got a few emails at ventqueen87 at gmail.com. And you guys like me reading to you. So I'm really excited about that. So again, um, if you go back into the podcast, you will see where I started to read. Okay? So... Let me continue again. Tells of the Unseen by Latricia Ford. Detective Jeff Stewart. After Melinda left the office, Jeff uploaded the file and watched the whole week. He noticed a white male in a pickup truck sitting across the street. He was there every day for at least four hours. He was kind of slouched down and leaned back. He was wearing a mask, so his face was unrecognizable. Detective Stewart finally got to Friday and saw Melinda send Michael off. He watched as a white pickup with no plates followed Michael. He called dispatch to put an APB out on the pickup. He had a feeling he was behind it. Lieutenant Dave tapped on the door before walking in. Hey, detective, we keep getting a call from this frantic woman about hearing screaming. Screaming? From where? Detective Stewart said, looking up from his computer. She lives on Delton Street. She said two houses down is an abandoned house. She said she heard screaming all night until early this morning. She just now called? No, actually she called a few times last week, saying a suspicious, dirty, white pickup was sitting in front. Then she said it started parking in back. She had been blowing up the lines all night. What? Are you just now saying something? Send a patrol crawl over there to investigate. I'll be over as soon as possible. Before Detective Stewart could get out of his chair, dispatch said they found a white pickup fitting a description, burnt to a crisp. It was located behind an abandoned house on Delton Avenue. The house burned a little, but the fire department was able to put it out. Detective Stewart ran out of his office so he could get there as quickly as possible. Detective Stewart! Lieutenant Dave shouted before he ran out. What, Dave? I got to get over there quickly. They said it was a badly disfigured body in the basement. It might be that little boy. Fuck, was all Detective Stewart could say as he got into his car. He knew they had dropped the ball in so many ways. Fuck, he screamed as he drove to the scene. When he pulled up to the scene, the fire department, EMTs, and four police cars were already there. Before he got out of his vehicle, an elderly black woman, around 70 years old, tapped on his window. Detective Stewart rolled down his window. Give me a second, ma'am. A second? You had minutes and hours. I have been calling about screaming and someone lurking around our neighborhood. You let that fall on deaf ears. God knows if I was younger, I would have handled that shit myself. Miss Jones shouted angrily. Ma'am, step away from the detective's car, a young policewoman said. None of you are worth a damn. I hear a body in the basement, a child no less. What has our children done to you? He could have been saved. You a bunch of bullshit that's not worth a damn. Okay, ma'am, move back now. The young policewoman said, grabbing her arm, get your hands off me and solve something. 
Miss Jones snatched her arm and walked towards the crowd of bystanders standing on the sidewalk. You okay, sir? Yeah, uh, tell me what they found, Detective Stewart said, getting out of his car. The scene was pretty gruesome. Some of the firefighters that discovered the body burst into tears and a few threw up. I haven't gone down there yet. Down where? The body or what is left of the body is on a dirty mattress in the basement. Detective Stewart walked into the boarded up house. It smelled of mildew and death. The scene, the scent, hit your nose the minute you opened the door. There were firemen and police officers crying as they came out the house. He heard one black police officer say, What kind of monster is this? I will not be able to sleep at night. I need to call my wife and kids. After hearing the detective after hearing that Detective Stewart's stomach dropped, he walked slowly through the house and descended the stairs in the kitchen. The smell was unbearable. The light was flickering on and off. He placed the cloth he had in his pocket over his nose. As he walked down the stairs, his heart dropped. He let out a scream. This isn't real. This this can't be real. It was like a scene from a horror flick. Two forensic officers were already taking evidence. One member was crying as he took pictures. Detective Stewart, are you okay? Rebecca asked as she placed samples in the bag. Rebecca was the head of the forensic department. Can, can you tell me what happened so far? Detective Stewart said, trying to look away. Yes, but hold on. James, take a break. You're letting your emotions get in the way of your job. Go take a breather. Rebecca said to her rookie forensics officer, he is brand new, fresh out of college. It takes years to grow thick skin. Rebecca waited until James was gone before explaining what she knew so far. In all my 20-year career, I have never seen something so horrendous, so heinous. No one or nothing deserves to die this way. He had to have tortured this child for hours. As you can see, he plucked each dreadlock one by one. He pulled fingernails and toenails. He cut out chunks of skin and may have ate them in front of the child. He raped him repeatedly, I guess using various objects. Our coroner gave us deeper details. He removed the genitals and the eyes. This basement was used as a torture chamber. We are dealing with a monster. We could have saved him if we acted quicker. We messed up, Detective Stewart said, trying not to throw up. That you did. Whomever it was, covered their tracks. Detective Stewart's phone rang as he was talking to Rebecca. Hello, this is Detective Stewart. What DVD? Did you open it? Calm down, I will be on my way, Melinda. Rebecca, I must go. That was Michael's mother. She said someone left a DVD in her mailbox. Go ahead. I got this. Thank you. Detective Stewart gladly left the basement. When he walked through the house, he noticed some of the police officers looking at him cruelly. They blame me, I suppose. It is not my fault the law makes you wait 24 hours. Just keep your head up and walk to your car. When he got to the front door, he saw the young woman cop sitting by her squad car. Can you follow me over to the mother's home? Yeah, sure, detective. By the way, my name is Nicole. 
Officer Nicole Calloway. Nice to meet you, formerly Nicole. Detective Stewart walked to his car, anxiously wanting to leave the scene. You leaving already? You piece of slimy shit, Miss Jones yelled from the crowd. All this hell could have been avoided if you would have listened to the citizens. That baby did not have to suffer like that. You and that monster gonna pay for that sin. Detective Stewart ignored Miss Jones as he drove away. Melinda Johnson. Melinda woke up from her short nap with baby Eliana next to her. She felt the presence in her room. She sat up quickly in the corner. She saw a glimpse of Michael. She burst into tears because that only meant one thing. He must be dead. She could have sworn she heard him screaming mommy all night long. She went to her bathroom and washed her face. When she looked into the mirror, she saw Michael behind her with tears running down his cheeks. She began to cry once more. She went downstairs to the kitchen after slipping into her slippers. She looked out her window and the flag was up on her mailbox. Her mailbox was near the street. She had already grabbed the mail when she came into the house earlier. She walked out to the mailbox and inside was a package. On the front was Michael spelled in what looked like blood. She gasped but opened the package anyway. Inside was a DVD. Melinda had a bad feeling, but she had to know. She walked back to her house holding the package tightly. When she got to the kitchen, she inserted the disc in her DVD player. When she hit play, she screamed so loud the neighbors heard. She scrambled to find her phone and the detective's card. Detective Stewart, this is Melinda. There is a DVD in my mailbox. Yes, I fucking opened it. It's my son dead. Tell me something, Melinda said, panicking. Hurry up, please. After she hung up, she pressed play on the remote. It was so graphic, her stomach started to turn. And she threw up. Detective Stewart. When Detective Stewart and Officer Calloway pulled up to the house, the front door was open. When they walked inside, you can hear the screams from the TV in the kitchen. Melinda was nowhere to be found. They heard a loud thump coming from upstairs. Officer Calloway drew her pistol and proceeded upstairs. Detective Stewart also also took out his firearm. They had no idea if the monster had came to harm Michael's family. A door was cracked open to the right. They both took to either side of the door. Melinda, are you in there? Officer Calloway said through the cracked door. She pushed it open with her foot. When the door flew open, Melinda and baby Eliana lay in a puddle of blood. Melinda was still jerking a little. Detective Stewart ran over to try and help, but it was too late. Melinda had cut baby Eliana's throat and then her own. She left a message on the bed that read, I refuse to live in such a hateful world where the innocent can die without consequence, where brown skin is a target on every continent. Bury us all together. Detective Stewart fell to his knees. What a tragic end. He was distracted by his own screams. He set his mind on finding this monster, no matter what the consequences. Ashley Washington, June 2020. Ashley has moved with her family from Baton Rouge to St. Louis, Missouri. Her mom, Nikki Washington, was a pediatrician and her dad, Tony Washington, an architect. Ashley was 14 years old 
with brown skin and a petite frame. She wore her hair in shoulder-length braids. She loathed the outdoors and mysteries. She was awfully close to her grandma, Lady Vu, who still resided in Louisiana. She was happy and sad at the same time. I miss Nana already, Ashley said, pouting. It has only been 10 hours since you last saw her and 10 minutes since you hung up. Her mother said, unpacking kitchen utensils. Why did we have to move again? Ashley said, plopping in the chair. For several reasons, puppy. Brookstown was getting dangerous. I got offered a great job at Children's Hospital. This four-bedroom, three-bathroom brick house was super cheap. Any more questions, puppy? Nikki asked, staring at her beautiful daughter. No, ma'am. I am going to sit on the porch and Skype Grenana. Again? Well, okay. Maybe you can talk her into leaving Louisiana for good. Ashley grabbed her laptop and sat on the porch. Before she could call her Nana, her friend Derek sent her a message. Her and Derek had been talking online for a while. He is 14 like her and particularly good looking. She opened the message with a grin. Hey, Ash, you won't believe what I got to say. Tell me, Ashley typed. Well, my family's moving to St. Louis also. No freaking way, Derek. Cool, we can finally meet. Yeah, it would be sooner than you think. Okay, I gotta go. My mom needs help with something. Oh my gosh, this is exciting. Can't wait to tell Nana. Ashley thought to herself as she called Lady Vu online. Hey, my beautiful bee, Lady Vu said, smiling. Even though it had only been a few minutes since the last conversation, she was always glad to speak to her granddaughter. Hey, Nana, did you finish that potion for your client yet? Oh, not yet, love. I am short of few key ingredients like dragon's tail and griffin's foot. Lady Vu laughed. Oh, Nana, you funny. Ashley laughed. Lady Vu was a known voodoo priestess throughout Louisiana. She can make a person's life good or bad if she chose. Her specialty were curses and love spells. She also could help your hair grow if need be. When they were laughing, Nikki stepped out to greet her mother. Hello, Mama. I can hear you two laughing for the kitchen. What could it be about? Nana making a love potion for her client. She says she needs dragon tail and griffin foot. Mama, when you gonna stop with this mess? Nikki asked, staring into the laptop. Mess? How dare you insult our traditions? It was not a mess when you wanted Tony to fall in love with you. It was not a mess when you needed a payment to go to medical school. It was not a mess when Natasha was picking on you and you asked me to stop her. Watch your mouth. Lady Vu felt disrespected. I am sorry, Mama. I meant no harm. I was trying to say modern medicine and techniques work simply fine. Really? How do you think that started? Hmm? Experiments on our people? Read about it. The torture and torment they put us through. Henrietta Lacks, to name a few. I do not experiment. This is in my blood. Do not let that degree remove you from your culture. Mama, I apologize. I wouldn't accept it later. Beautiful bee, call Nana later. I have clients to attend to. With that, the call ended. Mom, why did you say that? Nana has helped hundreds of people. I know. I just got beside myself. I will go inside and call her. I feel horrible for those remarks. Nikki turned and walked inside the house. As Ashley was sitting on the porch, she noticed a lady staring at her from across the street. Ashley waved, but the lady kept staring. Usually a person would get nervous being stared at. Ashley was different. She believed in conquering her fears head on. So she got up and walked towards the lady. When the woman saw her coming, she turned and walked to her home. Ashley decided to knock on her door. She really wanted to know what the lady's problem was. 
Knock, knock. Ashley banged on the woman's door. I know you in there. You were just stirring me down a second ago. Ashley said she continued to knock. Go away. Get away from my door, little girl. You know better than to walk on someone's property, the woman said without opening the door. Well, you don't know how to stop staring, so we even. Now, what is your problem? Ashley leaned back. The lady cracked the door open. Come in. I'll tell you a little story. Ashley pushed the door open. She noticed the lady was around her mom's age. She was pretty. She looked incredibly stressed, though. She had her dark hair braided back in cornrows. She ushered Ashley over to the couch by the window. My name is Seprafina. I have been living here for about 10 years. The house you moved in has been empty for six years. Never thought they'd sell it again, Seprafina said as she sat down. Why would you say that? Ashley questioned. About six years ago, a little boy went missing. The next day after his disappearance, he ended up dead. We all blamed ourselves for this. Keeping your mouth closed sometimes ain't the best thing. Did he die in our house? Nope. Happened in an abandoned house. See, they never want to tear down them buildings. Hell, they would not even sell them for cheap. What happened to that boy was awful and evil. Why do you blame yourself? It wasn't your fault. I played a part by not reporting a pickup near my house. I did not want to get involved with nothing. Shoot, deep down, I knew I should have said something. Where is his family? His mama, Melinda, killed herself and his baby sister in that upstairs bedroom. That monster sent her the recording of Michael's death. She could not take it and chose to leave this world. I swear I see her sometimes looking out to see if Michael is coming home. They never solved his case. I believe because a little white girl went missing and they... And that took priority, Seprafina started to sob softly. Ashley got up and let herself out. She ran home to tell her mom the news. Mama! Ashley yelled as she ran into the house. Yes, girl, I'm still in the kitchen. Just got off the phone with your nana. She isn't upset with me anymore. Mama, this that house on that mystery show I watch. What girl? Ashley had to calm down for a second to get her words together. I went across the street and talked to our neighbor, Seprafina. Seraphina. She said a boy was brutally murdered and his mom committed suicide here. Nikki was quiet when her daughter spoke. She did not seem surprised at all with the news. Mama, people died here. I think in my room. Okay. Kind of mad the neighbor told you. Um, yeah, it was a murder-suicide here. That was why the house was so cheap. I made sure I walked around with Sage and blessed the house. It had a sad energy, but it's gone now. Really, Mom, when were you going to tell me? Honey, ghosts cannot hurt you, only humans. Don't put too much into it. Do you even care? Yes, I care. It was a tragic chain of events, baby, but life continues. Ashley was shocked at her mother's comments. She did not want to talk anymore. Ashley turned and ran to her room upstairs. Nikki did not call after her. She knew with time... Ashley would come around. She continued to unpack the pots and pans. She had to get ready to cook before her husband arrived home. Ashley ran to her room and slammed the door. She could not believe her mom could be so heartless. She turned on her lap on her desktop so she could talk to Derek. Derek, are you around? Ashley waited for a response but did not get one. She decided to tell him the news anyway. 
Okay, so why have we moved in that house where the lady killed herself and her baby? Her son had got kidnapped and murdered. I guess she had a breakdown. Anyway, it just so happens to be my room where she did it. Okay, you must still be busy with your mom. Talk later. As she put her computer on sleep mode, she decided to take a nap before calling her nana back. John Reeves. John Reeves almost yelled in excitement when he read what Ashley woke. This must be a sign from God above. Out of all my kills, Michael was the best one. He was a fine work of art. The others were fine, but never had to feel like the first one. John could not bask in his glory for long. His wife had invited Michael and his wife for dinner. He loved when the Browns came over. It proved people sleep with their enemies and do not even know it. He loved bringing up Colin's death. Not to bring peace to the family, just so he can laugh at the fact that he was the one who did it. He loved how he could smile in their faces. All the while, pictures of their deceased son was in a lockbox under his bed. Damn, these are stupid. Oh well, let me get my acting on quick. Fuck, my wife's an idiot too. She's sleeping with the devil. Never misses a day at church. Heck, I like listening to the good word myself. John laughed at his own thoughts. He honestly believed he would never get caught. Honey, come set the table for the Browns get here. I am just about to pull the roast out. Nancy yelled to her husband of 16 years. Her and John never had children, even though she wanted them so badly. Nancy was a blonde beauty. She wasn't to health and fitness. She also took care of her skin and nails. She owned her own yoga studio, and she was a part-time hairstylist. She always kept her body in top shape. She was 40 years old, but did not look a day over 25. Her nana, Mama Carol, taught her how to take care of herself. She taught her how to make her own facial creams and body wash. Mama Carol was a strong black woman who took pride in healthy living. She used to talk to Mama Carol almost every day, but somehow it stopped. She really missed those conversations. She was a great nanny. Um, she decided she must investigate that though. While she was daydreaming about Mama Carol, there was a knock at the door. She already knew it was Martin and Sheila. She rushed to the door in her black jumper and red stilettos. John, what are you doing? Our friends have arrived. Come down and set the table. Nancy yelled as she opened the door. John came down the stairs in a slim fit gray and white jogger set. He loved to show off his physique. Hey, Martin, you look great. Hey, Sheila, girl, you look spectacular. Nancy and Sheila hugged tight and wooed each other's outfits. Come in, friends. John is setting the table. I still must make the salad. Sheila, would you like to help me so the men can talk? (laughs) Well, of course, Nancy. Lead the way, girlfriend. Sheila kissed her husband before she walked to the kitchen. Sheila was a brick house. She had curves for days. She is 5'9", light brown, with long, natural hair that flowed to the top of her plump ass. She was 35 and a dental hygienist. She wore a tight white dress and a gold belt hanging down. She had on white and gold sandals to match. She had some good news to tell Nancy and she did not want to hold want to want to hold it anymore. Nancy, we're pregnant again. Sheila blurted out by chopping onions. Oh my god, congratulations, babe. Nancy said genuinely happy. At first I was kinda sad because you know Colin was killed only seven months ago and his killer's still loose. I did not know if we should be happy. Colin always wanted to be a big brother. He was and is my everything. I cannot thank you guys enough for all the support. Babe, I know you appreciate us. 
you do not have to tell us every time we see each other it's okay well no wine for you young lady i always loved the moments i had with colin he was my joy and my laughter sorry i'm getting emotional thank god john found his body hanging from that tree he kept saying he believed it was that serial killer you know the one who leaves the bodies in abandoned houses and buildings the police say otherwise makes you wonder about this world crazy huh Okay, let us finish this salad and eat. All this talking about killing is too much and I want to stay happy. Sheila hugged Nancy one more time. I agree. I really hope they find his killer. I will not lose faith in that. Thank you, friend. I will carry the mashed potatoes and gravy out. Sheila grabbed the side dishes and walked out the kitchen. Nancy stood for a minute holding her stomach. She could not understand how healthy as she was, no baby. She was glad for her friend but hurting for herself. Sometimes she even wondered if she wanted children with all this killing. Even though the children who were targeted were black and living in the city, it still made her feel for of this world. Would color ever stop being an issue? Nancy knew the answer was no. John walked in the kitchen to grab the rolls. He noticed Nancy looking sad. Are you okay, wifey? John said, faking concern. Yeah, just thinking about babies. Sheila's pregnant again. I'm happy. I just wonder if it would happen to me. I wonder if they will ever catch Colin's killer. Honey, not every woman can bear a child. Hold your composure and let us have dinner. They will catch Colin's killer one day. Please calm down before you get upset again. John kissed his wife softly on the forehead. <laughs> it will not be any time soon, cunt. They could care less about those colored children. Oh, and by the way, you can't have babies because I have been sleeping birth controlling your food and drinks. John giggled a little as he took the roast out. After all the food was set up, they all held hands and said grace. I want to lead the prayer tonight, John said, smiling. We have a lot to be thankful for today. Bow your heads. Lord, we take the time out to thank you for this meal. Also, thank you for the life that was created. Even though Colin is not with us physically, he is with us spiritually. He will watch his new sibling with grace. Even though me and Nancy do not have children, we are happy to be godparents to a great child. Amen. Everyone broke hand contact and dug into this food. <laughs> Shit, I need an Oscar for my performance. John thought. He smiled at everyone. Colin, if only you could see your weak-ass parents now. If only they knew the extent of the pain I caused you. They would drop dead over the thought of socializing with their child's killer. Thank you guys for this reading. Again, this is um, Tales from the Unseen by Latricia Ford. This book is really deep. Um, it just shows you how evil and malicious a person can be. And it's crazy how you really don't know anybody. They're sitting at the dinner table about to eat with the man who killed their child. This man is hateful. He does not like anybody, including his wife, who seems to be a very gentle person who just wants to have children and be loved. And she doesn't know who she fell in love with. And she literally has fell in love with the monster. Um, oof, I cannot wait to hear what's next. Again, if you want to hear more, just drop me an email at ventqueen87 at gmail.com. And don't forget to go and support and purchase the book on Kindle. Thank you so much, you guys. And I hope you enjoyed the reading. Thank mm-hmm. you.